We're back again with the next episode of An Unsight. If you remember in the last one, the Guru was giving an instruction to our tongue and how to add a divine flavor to every interaction in our life. In this verse, the Guru is giving an instruction to the body. So let's see what the Guru has to say. We're looking at verse 33 today. And this verse starts with an instruction to the body and the Guru says, O body of mine, within you Hari infused its light and then you came into this world. Hari infused its light within you and then you came into this world. Hari itself is your father and your mother who created your being and showed you the world. By the Guru's grace, some understand, then life becomes a game and the game can be seen. Says Nanak, the root of the world was created, light was infused, and then you came into this world. So as we're now coming to the end of the Anantsaib, the last few verses, let's take a moment to think about what is the Guru trying to do? What is the Guru trying to say? And how is the Guru trying to really change our lives? And what I see is that in these last few verses, the Guru is trying to really do three things. The first is Guru is trying to retrain our thinking and to give us new perceptions about our life. And we've seen that Guru has been doing that all along the way. And this message continues throughout the rest of the verse of Anansaib. But here we're starting to see Guru really push a sense of purpose in our mind and really trying to get us to think about what are you actually here to do in your life? And we'll see these in this next few verses that the Guru starts to really question, what is your time being best spent on? What's the best way to live your life? And then the last way where the Guru is trying to look at that purpose and give us practical steps on how we can actually achieve this purpose. So in the last verse, we heard about the tongue and how we can use our tongue in ways to always chase flavors of the world or we can actually add flavor and so here guru is trying to talk to our body so let's see what the guru is saying in our body what is the instruction to our life guru starts by saying e sarira meria har tum meh jyot rakhi ta tu jag mein aaya o body of mine within you hari infused its light and then you came into this world har jyot rakhi tud vich ta tu jag mein aaya hari infused its light within you and then you came into this world so we see what guruji is trying to do here is the guru is starting to make us question starting to get us thinking about what are the most fundamental aspects of our life what are the most fundamental questions of our life and here guru is really asking two questions what am i and how did I get here? Now, if we think about it, how often do we even get a chance to reflect on these questions? How often do we get a chance to take a step back and think about our life in that way? And the Guru is asking us, what substance am I made of? Where does this body come from? What am I? And sometimes a lot of us like to think that we are souls that were floating around in the sky and somehow we landed into this body. So, you know, you might get people saying, well, I am a soul. I'm not really this body. I am a soul. 
But here the Guru is questioning even that idea that, are you a soul? The Guru is actually saying, even this light within you, where did that come from? Did you make that light? So even the soul, the Guru is asking us to question, are you really a soul? Or does the soul belong to something wider, something greater? The Guru is saying the soul isn't even yours. He talks about it as this divine light. And I like to try and simplify some of these metaphorical words like light into something that we can really understand in our own life. And I, I translate this divine light as really life energy, aliveness that's inside of us. And the Guru is saying this aliveness that makes you alive is not even yours. And I remember a long time ago when I started learning this wisdom from my own mentor, one of the first examples that he gave me which really stuck with me was in the garden some people keep a glass house and that glass house is a nice warm environment there where you can grow your own sort of plants and vegetables and flowers and things like that. That's called a greenhouse and in the greenhouse there's all this light coming in and for a moment the sunlight that comes into the greenhouse, if, if for a moment the greenhouse thinks this is my light, that's the delusion that we all have. Because the light, even though is contained within the glass house, doesn't belong to it, it belongs to the sun. And in the same way, we have this light or life energy that's inside of us, but it isn't really our life energy. We didn't make it, we don't own it. It's also something that, that we have been given. It's also something that we borrow. And so really the realization that the Guru is trying to give us is, oh body of mine, or oh body which I believe is mine, this body, you're not my original form. This is not who I really am. So imagine that being a daily mantra, a affirmation, a daily self-talk that you told yourself, oh body of mine, you're not my original form. I believe you are mine, but this is not really mine. And an example that I think might illustrate this is at home we often have outfits that don't necessarily match with who we think we are. I know at home I have this one leather jacket and there are so many times that I have put it on and I've looked in the mirror and I've thought to myself, it looks nice, but is it me? It doesn't feel like me. It feels like I'm being fake. And I really question whether I'm trying too hard when I'm wearing, when I'm trying to wear this leather jacket um, to pretend to be something that I'm not or to try and feel a different way about myself or to look a certain way. And there are so many times where I put it on and then I've convinced myself, no, that's not right. This is not really you. And I've just taken it off and put it back. And there are so many times when we try clothes on, we have a very clear understanding that it doesn't really change who we are on the inside. We might be able to pretend to everyone else that we are something by wearing a particular outfit or a particular pair of shoes or whatever, but the clothes don't become you. It's a facade. It's a way of showing yourself to be more than you are. And in the same way, the Guru is trying to align this idea of who we are, almost like these clothes that you're wearing and saying, these, this is not you. You didn't choose this body. If we go back to the analogy like we are flying souls, then even that, we've landed into this body. This is just something that we happen to 
be driving right now, but it's not, let's not believe that it really is us. And so if this body is not us, then the question is, well, what are we? Who, who is us? What, what is the real me? If we say that we are a soul, then I always ask people the question, well, how many of us have seen our soul? How many of you know your soul? We all like to think that we have one, but do we really know? What does that really mean that we have a soul? And the Guru is trying to now give clarification to what these things mean. The Guru is saying, your truest essence, the truest part of what you are, is life energy. It is this universal aliveness that happens to be inside you. And now we start to understand that what we are is really just made up of several layers. So let's go back to thinking about ourselves as layers, almost like an onion. Think about ourselves like an onion. At the very core of this onion, the very core of who we are, is life energy. So it is life's energy. Let me make that clear. It is an energy that belongs to life. In a body that belongs to life, in a world that also belongs to life. So every part of this onion, every part of who we are, is borrowed. Every single thing is belonging to life really, is not belonging to us. And this is what this opening line is really saying. Life energy has been placed into you. And even this you is not you, it's life's body. And all of these things now start to make sense. We realize that there are so many layers. There is an outside layer, which is the world. There is the body layer. There is the thoughts and mind layer. And then there is the soul or life energy layer. But it's all different layers and none of it belongs to you. And Guru Amr Ji has a really famous verse and a Shabad which many people within the Sikh tradition are quite familiar with. And it goes something like this. It says, Man tu jot hai, apna mool pachan. O mind, you are the embodiment of divine light. Recognize your origin. Man harji tere naal hai, gurmati rangman. O mind, Hari is with you. Through the Guru's teachings, enjoy its love. So the Guru is saying time and time again, you are life's essence rolled into a body. So you are form and light energy all rolled into one, but recognize this truth. Recognize that it isn't you. It belongs to something greater than you. And so this self-talk, this constant retraining is so important to us because every day, if you follow this tradition of reading the Anansaib on a daily basis, within the Sikh tradition, we're meant to read it every single morning. And every morning it becomes a self-talk, it becomes a way of retraining our mind, our conscious mind, our subconscious mind, really letting this idea sink in at the very core of who we are, you are life energy. At our truest energy, at our truest essence, we are something greater than us. You are this divine light and your only role in life is to know yourself. Your only job is to recognize what you really are, to never forget, to never fall back into the delusion that I am something, which is this word home, ego, which is the ultimate barrier to us recognizing this divine side of who we really are. We need to now start to understand how do we tangibly begin to experience this light? 
Because it's so easy to talk about you are light, oh, I am the divine light, I am this or I am that. And really, we can say those things time and time again, but we won't really understand, well, what does that actually mean? Like, can you tangibly experience it? Is it something that you can touch, feel, taste, experience? And an example that I think really works well in order to demonstrate how do we experience this is to think about a torch or a candle. Think about this candle walking around the house and it's looking at everything in the house and it's so amazed by how beautiful everything is in the house. Imagine this torch that goes around shining its light onto everything and saying, wow, look how beautiful this vase is, look how beautiful this window is, look how beautiful this plant is. It's shining its light on everything and it's amazed at everything's beauty, but it dis doesn't realize that it is the one that is making all of them shine. The fact that all of these things can be seen is because of its light. It is the one shining light onto things. And in the same way, when we reflect on ourselves, we are constantly looking for something. Even if we go into our meditation, say, okay, I'm, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to experience my divine light. As soon as we do that, we're looking for something else. It's like the candle looking for something. Imagine the candle looking for light and going to every single room and saying, where is the light coming from? Never realizing, oh, the light is coming from me. I'm the one shining this light on everything. And so when we look within ourselves, as long as we're looking for something else, we haven't understood what's going on. We are always looking for something outside and we don't realize the very act of looking, the very thing that is looking is that divine light. The thing that Guru is talking about, you are the divine light, know yourself. The very thing that is looking for something, for anything, the looker in the Jnana tradition of spirituality. In India, there are a number of different traditions. And generally, the Sikh tradition is seen as the Bhakti tradition, as the one of divine worship. But there's also a tradition called the Jnana tradition, which also is very heavily uh, used within uh, Sikh theology and, and, and the Guru's wisdom. It's very heavily based on this wisdom. And in that, that idea of spirituality, that path of knowing itself, is to say, the one who is looking is the one that is being looked for. Just, just take a moment to think about that. When you sit and you meditate, you're looking for something. And the Gyan tradition, the wisdom of understanding yourself through self-realization says, I am looking. The fact that there is looking is what I was looking for. The thing that I am looking for is not outside, but it is the actual looker, the seer, sometimes called the witness or the observer. That is the very core of who I am. And notice that you can experience lots of things. You can experience emotions going up and down. You can experience thoughts flying around. You can even experience this body and saying, I can see my body, I can feel my body. But when you go further and further and further back into self-introspection, you realize that there is a certain point that you can't go past. And you can't go past this experience of, I am. I am present. I am here. There is an I amness, an isness. That I amness isn't you. That I amness is also 
part of this divine, also part of the universe, is also borrowed. So that I amness has been placed into a body. And that witness, that presence of aliveness that is within you is the root. And you can't go past that. You can't say, I can witness my presence. Because as long as there is a something, as long as there is a external thing that you can point to, if you can point to it, then it isn't what you are. In the old Sanatan tradition of this wisdom, Sanatan meaning the primal wisdom, Sanatan Dharma, what they talk about is neti neti. As long as you can point to it, that's not what you are. So net net, even in um, Jap Sahib Guru Gobind Singh Ji talks about net net, this idea that it is not this and it is not that. As long as you can point to it, that's not what it really is. It is the one doing the pointing. That is the very root of what you are. And here in this, in this verse, the Guru is pointing out time and time again, recognize the ultimate truth of what you are is this presence, is this aliveness, is this life energy. And you can't go past that. That is the, the core, the root of what you really are. And here the Guru goes on to talk about how you're not able to recognize it. Why aren't you able to see it? And the reason we're not able to see it is we're too close to it. And we need to take a step back. We need to take a step back and just reflect on what this really is. In the next line, the Guru says, Har ape mata, ape pita, jin jiyo upaye, jagat dikhaya. Hari itself is your father and mother who created your being and showed you the world. Here the analogy being used is that divine light, this divine essence, the universal oneness is your parent. This is your mother. This is your father. And let's think about that. We may know and love our biological parents, but they are the creator of this body. But where does the life energy come from? Where is the life energy that is within us and within them? Where does that come from? Who gave birth to your aliveness? Who gave birth to your soul? And so, Again, Guru goes time and time again and says, whatever you know on the outside, that's not the real you. Life is your real parent. This life energy, that's your real mother and father. We are made of matter, which we understand, which is our body, but we're also made of this spirit. We are spirit and matter. And remember in verse 26, the, the Guru used this term, Shiv Shakti, this spirit and matter. And now Guru revisits this idea again and again. Don't forget your essence. Don't forget the root of what you really are. And so what we're starting to do now through the Guru's guidance is we're starting to really and genuinely scrutinize all the associations that we have in our life. Everything that we can say is mine, the Guru is starting to question, is it yours? Let's think about the things that we say mine. This is my body. We say this is my family. This is my community. These are my people. This is my life, these are my thoughts, and these are my family, my children, my husband, my wife, my brother, my sister. These are all belonging to me. And the Guru is saying, well, they can't belong to you. They may belong to this body, but the root of what you are is something greater than that. You don't belong to this body. Think about that for a moment. You don't belong to this body. We always say the body belongs to me, but I don't belong to this. This is not my original form. 
This is not the true sense of what I am. I'm here in this body, but what is here in this body? This body was created by life in a world that has also been created by life. And I have this energy inside me that's also been created by life. What am I really? So remember what is the Guru trying to do? Within the Sikh tradition, there is this huge focus on removing the ultimate barrier to you recognizing this. The ultimate barrier is this Homer, I am. This belief that something amongst all of this stuff, this world, this body, this mind, something in all of this stuff is called me. And I am the controller or the owner of all of these things. And the Guru is constantly saying, if we get rid of that, you will begin to experience what you really are. You'll begin to experience bliss at a level that you have not known before because the biggest barrier has been in the way. So the problem is we're so close to this, we're not able to understand it. I like to think about the example of a camera. If you've ever bought a camera with a zoom and, 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 and you zoom in really close, once you zoom too close into something, what happens? It becomes really fuzzy. The image becomes blurry. And so in order to unblur, in order to get clarity, what do you need to do? You need to step back or you need to zoom out. And we're too close to our life that we're not able to see our life with ultimate clarity. And what the Guru allows us to do with its wisdom is to zoom out further back and back. And so we're able to see life not through this limited idea of our body, not through the limited vision of our eyes or the perception that we have that everything is happening through this thing called me. And the Guru is saying, nope, there's no me. There's no individual here. There is only oneness here. Oneness is the creator of the body and oneness is the one that is driving this body as well. So the Guru is allowing us to step back, allowing us to recognize that we're too close to our life story and we need to realize that life is not as real or as personal as we thought it was. We are too close to it. Life is working through your body, but it's not the real you. There is no real you. And so where the Guru constantly tries to remind us of this, the Guru is trying to show you a different way to live your life. We've not lived life in this way. We don't live our life in this way. And even when we hear this wisdom time and time again, we go to bed and we wake up the next morning and we're back, back to square one. So the Guru is saying, this is why you need to have this wisdom daily. And Guru goes on to say, Jin Jiyo Opae Jagat Dikhaya, the oneness who created your being and showed you the world. So now what is the Guru doing with this? The Guru is saying, the oneness placed a light inside you, your parent, your real mother, your real father, and it is the one who created your body and allows you to see. So think about this. Your ability to see is because it has given you eyes. You are seeing through its eyes. It isn't, these aren't your eyes. Your ability to see is because this is a gift that's been given. The, your ability to even perceive life is because it has given you a mind and a brain to understand this. It has given you thoughts. It's given you awareness. So your own awareness, think about even just trying to experience your own awareness. And then you realize, where does this awareness come from? It isn't mine. It's just there. It's involuntary awareness. It's always switched on. You can't even switch this awareness off. It's, it's just always there. 
It's a light that just doesn't switch off. And so we begin to realize the miracle of what this really, this vessel really is that we call my body. And this is what this verse is all about. Oh my body, what do you think you really are? Know yourself, understand yourself. So this is why it is your parent, because it's at the very root of who you are. What you really are is life energy. Our ability to see is because it, we have its eyes. Our ability to perceive is because we have its thoughts. And our ability to recognize this is because we have its wisdom as well. And this is the missing piece of the puzzle that a lot of people unfortunately don't take on in their life. The missing part of the puzzle is we have its awareness, we have its wisdom to show us what we really are. We've been given eyes to see the outside world and we've been given the guru, the wisdom to recognize the inside world to recognize what's really inside of us, to know what is going on in this game of life. And in the next line, the Guru says, Gur prasadi buchya ta chalat hoa, chalat nadri aya. By the Guru's grace, some understand. Then life becomes a game and the game can be seen. So the Guru allows us to have complete understanding. Understanding of ourselves, because if we didn't have this, our, our knowledge would be incomplete. Our understanding of life is, is not the perfect understanding of life. And time and time again, when we say this, I can hear people who are listening to this, I can hear what some of their thoughts and their reaction is, is, well, who are you to tell me anything? Who is this guru that is, that is supposed to be so perfect? We have to not create enemies out of these spiritual masters. We're so keen to listen to everything else. We listen to our politicians and we listen to other sources of authority. We listen to all the adverts that we see on our screens and we listen to them. And as soon as it comes to spiritual wisdom, we say, oh, well, you're asking for too much. You know, our politicians are taking our liberties away and our advertisers and companies are taking our money away and we freely give those away. But the Guru is asking to take something else away. The Guru is asking to take your suffering away. And we want to hold on to it. And we say, no, I don't, I, I don't want to listen to this Guru. And the Guru is saying, I'm here to take your suffering away. But in order to take your suffering away, I need to take the, the, the root of that suffering away. I don't just want to make you feel better temporarily. I want to take the root of your suffering away. And the root of your suffering is you. You, your ego, your I amness. The thing that you believe is not even a real thing. It's a delusion. And the Guru is saying, I need to show you that this isn't actually a real thing. So the Guru is giving us complete understanding. And the Gurus, let, let me clarify this even further. When we talk about the Gurus, let's, let's, let's make a clear distinction. The wisdom is the Guru. And then there are the people through whom that wisdom has come. And in the Sikh tradition, we also call them the Guru because it's not the body of Guru Nanak, Guru Angad Dev Ji, Guru Amar Das Ji, Guru Gobind Singh Ji, or even Guru Granth Sahib Ji, the scripture. It's not the body of the physical vessel that we really care about. It's the wisdom that's inside of it. That's what makes them Guru. That's what makes them this spiritual master, this enlightener. And whether it's the Gurus or in the Sikh tradition, we also show huge reverence to any spiritually enlightened person who's able to teach us and guide us. The Bhagats, the spiritual masters, Remember, all of those people were human beings who just went all the way. 
all the way within themselves, who went right to the core of who they were, they recognized it, they understood, they got absolute clarity of, of who they were, and then they came back through their grace and they shared that wisdom. So that's all these people are. And these people are showing us that this world is not real. This body is not the real you. These thoughts are not the real you. They all belong to something bigger. Something more than this limited idea of who we are. And the, what they're asking us to do is they're asking us to recognize life as a flow. And part of this flow of life is that life energy came into life's body and is a playing a game in life's arena. And that's all this is. We are a character on this chessboard of life and this that we call Earth. And we're just moving around, playing our role until our character gets killed off, which is the game of chess, which is the game of life. That's just what we are. And so we are being reminded time and time again, this is a game that is ongoing. You're here for a moment on this chessboard of life. And at some point your character leaves, never to return, and new characters will come onto this game of life. And so nothing is really yours. Don't take life so seriously. And all our ideas of life are that it is so important and everything has to be done absolutely to its best. And there are so many things that we need to achieve in life. And, and the Guru is saying, this is not the ultimate truth. We have a really limited understanding of ourselves. And as long as we have a limited understanding of ourselves, we're going to take that perception and we're going to play this game in a very limited way. And the way we play this game, the limitation that we have is first we place a limitation on ourselves. I am me. I am this body. As soon as you create that first and original sin, I am me. In the Christ Christian tradition, we talk about the original sin. And they talk about Adam and Eve eating from the tree of knowledge. They eat that fruit and they take on this original sin. And that original sin allows Adam and Eve to say, I no longer want to be in the Garden of Eden. I no longer want to be in this heaven, this paradise. I want to be me. I want to decide life for myself. So the original sin, according to the Gnostic spiritual tradition, the ones who've taken the metaphors and the examples of Christianity and tried to understand and dig a little deeper, what is it trying to say about human life? What the Gnostic tradition has said is that the original sin of mankind is, is knowledge, which is, I am. I think I know myself. I'm going to decide life for myself. And this is our sin. This is what Gurbani calls Pap. To think that you are something and not understand what you really are. Your understanding is limited. And as soon as we create this original understanding, this original mistake that I am me, and I'm limited to this body, then everything else becomes limited. As soon as you put those glasses on, the glasses of me, the goggles of me, and you look at life in that way, then everything is colored with this limitation. And we create opposites. So if I am me, then these are mine. If these are mine, those are not mine. If these are my friends, those are not my friends. If these are my things, then those are not my things. And then some people have things that I want because I have my things, then I need to get more things. I need to get them off people. And so we play this game in a very selfish way. And the Guru is saying, you need to play this game in a different way. We play life in a very selfish way, which is all about achieving things and getting things. And the Guru is saying, you are creating the original limitation that I am me. And then by creating that, you create opposites, which is this word duality. And duality can really just be understood as opposites. 
as long as there is an opposite in your life, then you are in duality. You're not in oneness. You're not in singularity. You're in duality. You're in two-ness, what I call two-thinking. There is one thinking, which is what the Guru is trying to do all the time, which is to get us to reframe our thoughts into oneness thinking. Everything is part of just one singular thing. Or we are in what I call two-thinking, and that starts with me. And as long as I create a me, I create an opposite. Everything is in opposition to me. Everything now becomes my enemy or my friend. And so we start playing life in this way. And the Guru says, as long as you're playing life with opposites in your life, then you're going to cause your suffering. And think about all the opposites that we have in life. This is mine. This is yours. This is a friend. This is an enemy. This is a like and this is a dislike. This is good and this is bad. Think about all the opposites. And the Guru is saying, let's get rid of the opposites. But let's start with the first opposition. The first opponent that you need to defeat is here. It's not out there. Don't find anything else. Because even in finding God, you've created an opposite. I am here. God is somewhere else. So I'm creating a duality. And the Guru is saying, nope. Let us first defeat the original opponent which is you. The biggest demon is the self, the Satan, the ego, the Ravan to the Ram. This is the ultimate ego that we need to destroy. The ultimate opponent, the one who is the cause of our suffering itself. And the Guru does that time and time again by saying, okay, my method of doing that is to constantly sing a song to you so that your mind starts to absorb this wisdom. Gurbani is really just wisdom transfer, knowledge transfer. The Guru is constantly transferring the Guru's wisdom through the method of song into our mind. And if we sing those songs on a daily basis, that song really just sticks into our mind. Think about this. Think about the power of songs. If I just read this verse to you, you wouldn't understand it. But if I sang it to you, the tune would stick in your mind. How many times have you had a song stuck in your head? We've had it so many times and we've talked about this before. Getting a song stuck in your head is so easy to do. And the Guru is saying, yes, I know. And that's why I'm going to use that method. I'm going to get this song stuck in your head because you need to get it stuck in your head because what, what's in your head right now is not serving you. And so the Guru says, recognize that your opposites that you have in your life, they're not real. They pretend they're a game. Now, we need to take a step back and just question this because we keep hearing that life is a game. But the truth of the matter is life doesn't feel like a game. It feels challenging. It feels that there are difficult decisions to be made. It feels that these challenges that we face in our life, if we make the wrong decision, they'll have major consequences. So how can we play life in any other way. How can life not be taken seriously? And, and people could even question, well, didn't the Gurus even fight wars to defend against oppression? Surely they were not taking life lightly. They took things seriously as well. So don't we need to take life seriously as well? How can life be treated light, lightly? What am I missing? What am I missing in my understanding that doesn't allow me to see life as a game? Now, in verse 30, we came across this idea of playing life, the game of life, at two different levels, which is to be involved but detached at the same time. Now, an example that I think really works for this is whenever I'm sitting down to watch a movie 
and I'm sitting with my family, my wife has a really annoying habit, which is as she's watching the movie, her mind is calculating what's going on and what's going to happen next. And so she likes to shout out what she thinks is going to happen next. And a lot of the time she's right and it completely ruins the movie for me. And I'm always saying, don't call out. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's going to happen next. I'm perfectly happy enjoying the movie right now, watching the drama unfold and not trying to calculate what's going to happen next. And so this is how we need to live life, which is we need to play the game of life. We need to make our plans and, 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 and have goals, but not set expectations that they're going to be met. And that sounds really strange because it sounds completely in opposition to everything that we hear. We need to set goals. We need to create plans of what we think we need to do, but we need to be okay if life doesn't turn out that way. Do you understand what that means? We need to play the game of life without expectations of what's going to happen next. Just play it as it's happening, unfold it. By all means, make plans. You know what needs to be done. But if it doesn't happen, be okay with that. Be okay with the outcome being different because life is never going to go your way. How many times have we made plans in our lives and something completely different has happened and we at the time thought this is going to be an absolute disaster. My life is ruined. But over time, what we realize is that we are equipped with new abilities to face these new challenges. We are looking at life in a difficult way and saying, I don't know what to do. I've never done this before. And over time, the solution comes. And so we need to realize that unexpected problems are always going to be there, but they're also going to be faced with new solutions. We're going to be able to come up with new ways of dealing with life. So if we allow life to unfold, if we allow life to just happen, then we can play the game in a way that we're not so emotionally involved. We need to accept that we're in a game. We need to accept that there are characters in this game and we're just one of those characters. And our character has been given a role. Think about the game of chess. If you play the game of chess, every single piece you'll know has a particular role. It can only go in a particular way. It can't do something that it wasn't made to do. And to some extent, not that I want to place limitations on what we can or can't do, but to some extent, the, the, the rules of the game have kind of been made already. And this is what life is all about. We are placed into this body. I can't change that. I can't change that I'm in this body. I can temporarily make some changes to this body, but I can't change the fundamental fact that I'm in this game. So that's a rule. I'm placed on this earth. I'm not on some other planet. I'm placed here. I can't change that rule. So there are certain rules of life and we need to just understand that we are here for a short amount of time. We are given roles to play in this game of life, but we're also given abilities to meet new challenges. And I think this is where the major distinction is between someone who is spiritually inclined, who is understanding of this wisdom and somebody who isn't. Somebody who isn't wants to play the game of life with no problems with no opposition, no opponents, no challenges. We want life to be problem-free, and that's just not the way life is made. The problems, and again, now I'm starting to think about what is the best way to phrase this? Problems even are created by the fact that I create a me, then I create the opponent. 
I create the opposition. I create myself as the victim and somebody else as the abuser. And the Guru is trying to say time and time again, problems are self-created. Challenges are there. The ups and downs of life are there. Things are going to happen that are completely unexpected. But we want to play as though there is nothing that's going to be a problem. And the Guru is saying, well, if you want to play life as a problem-free thing, then you've got to get rid of the problem maker. And we always think the problem maker is the, everyone else. Everyone makes the problems in my life. But the Guru is saying, no, the problem maker is the I am. The me is the problem maker. And in reality, there's always going to be new challenges in life. But this is the game of life. And when we understand this, the Guru starts to now conclude in the final line by saying, Kehe nanak ka racha, rakhi, ta tu aya. Says Nanak, the root of the world was created, life was infused, and then you came into this world. So the Guru is just ending by saying time and time again, get rid of this sense that you are here and realize that life is in you. Life has been created and it's all around you. Srishtka mool rachya, the mool of the srisht, the source of creation, the root of all life has been created and that is the light that has been placed in you. That is the jyot. The mool and the jyot are the same thing. The Guru Nanak is saying, says Nanak, the root of the world was created and that light was infused and only then you came into this world. So your only job is to recognize this is your purpose in life. Let me clarify that because that is the one message of the Guru. You are here on earth to do one thing. You need to play all this game, but you need to play this game with awareness. That is your job. That is the thing that you're here to do. The rules of the game have been set. You are a character. You're here to play in this time, in this space. That can't be changed. But the thing that can be changed is your perception, your way of thinking about life. Recognizing that you are in this game is the thing that you're here to do. This is your ultimate journey. This is your ultimate purpose. This is what life is about. All these things that are happening, your ability to recognize it is what's being questioned here. So recognize this oneness, this life energy, whatever we want to call it now, in everything that we do. Recognize it in all the people that we interact with. And then you begin to start to feel and experience this bliss that all humans are striving for. Remember what this verse is called. This entire composition is called bliss. It's called Anand. And Anand is all about how do we experience that Anand. The Guru is saying, you already have that bliss inside you. The root of you is already in bliss and you're searching for something else. But the Guru is saying, you're searching for something that you already have. It's already inside you. The root of the universe is right inside you. And that blissful, bright, shining light is radiant and beautiful. And it's already there and it's switched on all the time. Just recognize it. You have an opportunity and an ability to recognize what you really are. This is your true purpose. Life coaches are always trying to tell us that your purpose in life is to strive for success. And when you get success, when you get material success, then that will translate into happiness. But the Guru, the ultimate life coach, is telling you that your potential, 
Your highest potential in life is freedom. Mukti, moksha, to be free from yourself. And when you're free from the root cause of your problems, when you free yourself from that and you recognize that the ultimate root of what you are is that life force, is that light, is that universal essence of oneness, that's when you will experience your highest bliss. Answer the following questions either by writing them down or discussing them in your groups. What are some instructions that you would ask your body and mind to follow? How do you feel by knowing that life is the real you? Are there any mental barriers that don't allow you to accept this wisdom? What things in your life need to be taken seriously and what things don't? Hi, this is Sapal Singh. Thanks for listening and I hope you're benefiting from our podcast. Nanak Nam is all about simplifying the life-changing wisdom of Guru Nanak Dev Ji and making it freely available to everyone through online videos, podcasts, booklets and courses. And we need your donations to help spread these teachings even further. Please consider setting up a regular monthly donation by visiting nanaknam.org forward slash donate. With your support, we're taking Gurmat Global.